Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. So glad to be joined on this All-Star Week by two-time Stanley Cup champion Craig Ludwig on Spits and Suds. How are you, my friend? I am doing good. We have a, a little break. We had some little personal individual meetings with our U18 guys the last couple of days, and we got uh, a weekend off where we're not playing. So um, kind of get some things, kind of like the, the NHL guys, you know, they come home and you talk about any, uh, the break, they get to, you know, the guys that aren't playing in the game, but they get to come home and uh, now they're going to spend some time with the family. A lot of them are probably jumping on a plane and heading to Cabo or someplace for a few days. So, um, so I'm in my own little Cabo. Ah, but you are playing this weekend on Saturday night at the <laughs> yeah, Children's Health Star we Center are, yeah. versus SMU. Tickets are available. You can go to the Star's website and get it as low as $10. A terrific family night. You can see Craig in action, shin pads and all, as the Star's alumni take on the SMU club hockey game. No, 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 no. No shin pads. I don't wear those. I don't need any more wind resistance than I used to. So <laughs> I don't wear I don't wear them behemoth things anymore. So those are in a in a little plastic case and sitting in the garage. Um, so I do not uh I do not I try I, I, I say to myself all the time, I I'm trying not to get hit with pucks anymore, but it, Guys are calling me an idiot all the time because they're like, what the hell? You're always, and I, it's just a natural habit. So I'm still getting hit. I'm just, uh, I don't get hit unexpectedly, you know, with them pads that I used to have because they were a little bit wider than everybody else's. You could, you didn't have to necessarily be directly in the shooting lane. You, you could be off a little bit and you could still get a little piece of it. Well, Bob Basson said the following that when I asked him about, you know, as a former assistant coach, your scouting report on Craig Ludwig told me, Craig can still skate really well. He said he's not as fast as he once was, but he can skate really well. So he was very uh, well, positive. That, that, that's probably debatable because I never was fast. <laughs> so any any slower, I'd be stopped. So I'm still moving. But again, it's you know it's funny. You can play against guys like yesterday. <clears throat> Vern Fiddler and I, um, we were playing in this noon one with a bunch of guys. A little different tempo. They're a little bit faster and younger. And anyway, uh, so Fins and I were on different teams. And you can tell Fids gets he gets pissed off at me because I, I'm not a guy that's going to be able to stand guys up in the neutral zone, but I, I know the areas to take away and and break up kind of little passes that he's trying to play, you know. So, um, you know, and and I guess that just kind of relates to what we're trying to teach our young kids. So it's it's all about, uh, you know, you don't you don't have to be the fastest guy, but if you just as a defenseman, you just kind of know where to be on the ice and. Uh, you know, give we we talk about all the time on on your podcast here is that uh, you know with the goalies, you know, make sure the goalies uh, are confident in what you guys are doing, and so I still I still try to follow through on that stuff. Yeah, and the other thing is is that autographs are available, and uh, so you can get Craig Ludwig's autograph. Yeah, I'm doing mine on a stone tablet, so <laughs> it'll kind of be like the Ten Commandments. So. Back from the day when we used to write them on on rocks and things like that. When so when we'll, you we'll sign them on when, there. When you sign an autograph, do you put two X? No, just uh, just one. Just just one X. Just one. <laughs> hard. It's hard to it's hard to scratch it in stone. It takes a long enough time. But you know what will be kind of fun is that you know we're playing SMU like you said. Yeah. And so we got a college, and so we're hoping there's a college crowd. That's kind of like back when you played in, you know, when we first got to Dallas here. You know, we, we got, we got into Dallas and you'd look in the stands and pretty good looking crowd. So, yeah. um, you know, I don't, I don't know what, uh, 
what these guys will be doing for, for friends and family or girlfriends, whatever. So, um, I think we're going to hang out possibly with them a little bit after the game in our, in our alumni lounge. So it'll be a good time. That's awesome. That, and it's a great cause. So, uh, go support Craig and the Dallas stars alumni, uh, versus SMU. And that's Saturday night at the children's health stars center, right off 35 in, uh, in farmer's branch. That's going to be a real, real good take. All right. First question for you today is your overall thoughts as far as the defensive pairing that everyone's talking about as far as Thomas Harley with Miro Haskinen. I will tell you real quick, Craig, I mean, offensively amazing. I know they just started playing with each other. I did see against the Capitals that there was one cycle which they struggled to get the puck out. I know that might have had to do with the forwards as well, but... I'm still have a little bit of a question mark defensively as a pairing, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Well, Mr. Gavin Spittle, if you remember, which apparently you don't, I do. I had said this months ago that I thought that Thomas would be is a top two defenseman, top two minimum, top four, and I said if he would be right-handed, he would be the perfect partner for Miro, in my opinion. <clears throat> so um, he's not right-handed. He's got Miro switches over to his offside, which I, you know, I don't know if that, uh, if that's Miro said, Hey, I'll do that. Or if, you know, they come to him, Miro's talented enough that, and skates well enough that he can play both sides. But, but again, I, I I think there's a small percentage uh, of defensemen in the league that would prefer to play their, their offsides. Um, I know there are some, but I think you just see the ice differently. Um, but, but anyway, uh, Thomas Harley is, uh, he's a real deal and young kid, nice guy. When we did our, our last game, Thomas and, and Wyatt were on the, came down and they were on the benches and down there and things like that. And when we were doing our little alumni game, um, uh, nice kid, good kid. Um, but I just think that he, you know, you're, I know you've, you've always seemed to got it. You have a couple of guys. So you've kind of, you've kind of. Passed, passed on and Roddick. So Fox is not your guy now. He's not your whipping horse anymore. So now you've moved on to a defenseman. So um, who's my whipping you know, boy you, on defense? Yeah. Well, you're 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 not a hawk and paw lover, are you? No. Okay. <laughs> so, so there you go. Now uh, uh, a shorthanded but, yes, five on five. I think he struggled. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And, and like I said this before, I said sometimes I, I look at the, the, the way that, you know, they're structurally the way that they play in their own zone. And that's why when you bring up, when you mentioned Thomas and um, Miro, they have their struggles. But if you look, and I think I know which one, I go back and I look at them and I go over and over and over them all the time. And it, it, let me tell you, it, it's it, when you play man on man and you get your guy, sometimes you lose track of everything that's happening behind you. Because you're like, okay, this is who I'm supposed to have. And so things that are, you know, and and what happens is you end up drifting a little bit further away from what I think your responsibility is in front of the net. So, uh, but it's an adjustment for those guys. Um, I think they're all, they're all grasping it. Um, but there are going to be times that there's going to be breakdowns when you play that way. And just because you're kind of playing out of position, the forwards are playing in front of the net. They're a little bit out of position. And little picks can throw you off, you know, when you play against teams that recognize it and, you know, we kind of did it with our guys and we kind of 
there was a couple teams we played with. And so a couple of days before we, we practice running little picks and little subtle things and um, make it difficult to read. Cause sometimes it is. And, and it's like, well, wait a second. I, that's your spot. Well, no, I'm supposed to take this guy. So, um, <clears throat> but again, they, they do it enough. They're, you know, they, they, they keep doing it. And, and obviously they're having, you know, fairly, fairly successful uh, times, but there are times in the zone that, you know, it may lead to a quality scoring chance. And, um, you know, and if your goaltender is not <laughs> dialed in um, for those kind of things, uh, bad things happen. So, Am I too but, pessimistic? But yeah, I mean, you can see, <laughs> I, I think the, the biggest thing that I've noticed with Harley since he was kind of coming in and out of the lineup and then he'd get five or six. And I, and I don't know if that had anything to do with him or if it had getting Lundquist in there, you know, and making sure that he would be ready at some times and, and Hanley, you know, you, you don't want, you didn't want them guys to sit early on. You need them to, to, you know, get involved and be part of the games and play some, some quality minutes. And, but the thing for me with him is just his confidence. I mean, he, he's got a ton of confidence and, and I think that is, such an important ingredient to everything else that, especially, Agreed. you know, for defensemen to be able to play in your own zone, um, the passes at the right time, but, but when to jump into the play and um, he's, he sure is getting a hold of that. And uh, obviously, you know, he's, he's obviously got a good shot. Um, they found a, they found a weapon um, offensively. And I, and I think as a young kid, look at what he's doing as a young kid. So there's only going to be growth there. And, and, um, and, and as long as Miro's going to be, you know, comfortable and playing, you know, that offside, you could see this, you know, as a, as a pair going into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Or they try to pick up a right-handed defenseman at the deadline. And, but at the same time, and I don't want people thinking I'm like overly pessimistic. I'm just, I was bringing up something I saw and that's a concern in the playoffs for me, um, is, those two on the ice at the same time with the physicality ramped up in their end. Now it remains to be seen. I, I just wanted to bring it up. You know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying it's like the Radic Fox. I, I like Radic Fox as a player, Craig. I just don't, I hate the salary and I know I can't, okay. I can't. So, so you're, you're concerned with the physicality in the playoffs, but who is their most physical defenseman? Then do you feel, I, I don't even know anymore. I, I would love well, to I, say Hawk and Pop. I would it's think not. it's it has to be Fo- or, uh well I, I almost said Fox. It has to be Hawk and Pop. I mean, don't you think? I, I mean, I would think, but actually, right I now, I don't I'd think say you're going to look at Suits. I don't know if Suter's going to be your physical guy. I don't know if Lundquist is going to be your physical guy. Yeah. We're talking about Mirror and Harley. Now that leaves you with Essa and Hawk and Pop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So no, I, and there's I and I and I and I wouldn't consider. Listen, I don't know. There's only a handful of teams in the NHL that have a physical defenseman. You know, now they're more rounded. The game is the game has changed. But I think with Hockenpah's size and and strength and the way he should be able to contain people below the dots, below the hash mark area, and you know, in that danger area. Um, you know, and we've seen when he does hit, he's your most physical defenseman. You know, so uh, you're like I guess that's why you're saying you'd like to see a trade and then he would be part of the deal. But now you've got to go ahead and find that, that, you know, but what, what the other thing is look at the identity of this team. Do they want to, do they want a stay at home, uh, you know, hard nose that just doesn't get involved as much in the offense because they have success playing that kind of style. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to, 
to know their philosophy. I think you know sti- I agree with you. I think stylistically, I disagree when it comes to the playoffs. Um, I thought, I thought they struggled when it came to Vegas, um, and I, I just think, you know, physically that they they're going to struggle. I really do, and that's just. It's not. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I do agree. I, I think there's the potential of, of that happening, and but you know, right now there's there's it's so packed in the top 10, 12 teams in the league, right? I mean, like who do you, who do you pick as a favorite to win the cup? Don't even know. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Like I don't know. And even the even the betting people don't know. Because they go everywhere from seven to one to fourteen to one. There's ten teams or twelve teams packed in there. They don't know, so uh, it, it's difficult. It, it really is. So you know, it'll be in, like I said, it, it'll be interesting um, to me. And then what does that usually land on? It lands on goaltending. I mean, when you got so many teams that are so even, uh, you're going to look at special teams and goaltending. And, and right now, you know, I'm hoping right now that in the next two to three weeks once they get back, Otter gets his game back. Because I don't think Otter's been, you know, the same guy he was prior to the injury. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Question from the past, because trade deadline's coming up. Massive trade with Elias Lindholm going to Vancouver. Big haul coming back along with some good prospects to Calgary. First round pick. A fourth round conditional pick can be a third round uh, pick. So... Lindholm's going to be a UFA after this season. Going back, did you guys know about Jerome Ginla when you made that trade? Nope. Okay. And and, and Jerome Ginla wasn't part of the team at the time. Yeah. You know, you know as a draft pick, yeah. So we didn't know. Uh, we didn't know. Listen, when you're a player and somebody gets drafted in the in the, in the first round of your team that you're playing with, you, you I mean. You don't really get dialed into it because you know not you're not expecting unless they're in the top three you know four or five picks, but you're really not expecting that player to be there for three to five years. I mean that's kind of the the mo on it. So nobody really the day it happens you, you don't expect it. Did we expect we were going to get a guy like Joe Nundike? No, not at all. I mean that was a that was a Bob Gainey deal, right? And yep. so talk about guys that you know, understand the kind of piece. And when you piece a team together over the course of, you know, two to three to four years and you're getting closer and you're getting closer. And that's why I give Jimmy Rutherford, you know, the guy that, you know, now he's a, I, I guess he's president of hockey ops there in Vancouver that yeah. pulled the trigger on this thing, um, you know, to look and, and bring, you know, how, who he brings in and um, you know, they've, they've got, uh, you get out in front of it. And I think that's what uh, the good general managers, it seems like today, they don't wait until, you know, three days before the trade deadline. And Rutherford's got a, he he has a uh, a history of that kind of stuff. So I, I love it when they do that. Uh, you know, Vancouver's got a, a heck of a team. Um, Calgary is going through, you know, things. And, um, so it was nice, but, but yeah, when, when, when somebody gets drafted in the summer, uh, you know, it, it's not, you don't sit there and go, man, you know, you just kind of move along. Cause typically you don't expect them to be there their first, first or second year anyways. Yeah. No. So when new and comes into the room, cause I'm asking because Lindholm's going into a, a room interdivision room, by the way. So that's interesting, but he's going into the room, you know, what is the, what is the reception like? Is it just like, all right, here we go. 
Like, is that, it's just, I mean, Neuendijk must have commanded so many, so much respect when he walked in, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, and, you know, and again, I, I had played against Nui. It, it, it's, it's weird because, you know, when I was all done and it, and it took me a couple of years later and after I had retired, you know, we, I don't, I say I, but, but I beat won a Stanley cup playing against Joe. I lost the Stanley cup playing against Joe and won a Stanley cup playing with Joe. So, um, knowing Nui as a young player in 86, when we won that cup and he was a first year guy. And as a matter of fact, that may have been the year he came out of of college and came in late, but you were like, Holy shit, is this guy good? And then you play against him the next five, six, seven, eight, nine years. And you see his growth and how dangerous he is and, and the kind of player he was. And then, then all of a sudden, and again, we had no idea. And all of a sudden you hear about it. And like I said, nobody was, we didn't, I didn't know who Jerome McGinley was. I had no idea. You know, I mean, be, you know, so, um, and then all of a sudden, because all you know is that for us, we were getting closer. We knew we were getting closer. Management knew we were getting closer. And, and there were little bits and pieces that were being shuffled around. And, you know, a depth guy would come in here and, and uh, you know, a, a fourth line guy would come in here. Um, so, so you knew you were getting there and you kind of get a sense that, because we knew, we knew we were close. We were disappointed, you know, losing to Detroit and things like that. And then it just, you know, now, now maybe that was the piece and it ended up being the piece. So, um, uh, but you know, you look back at now, I, we, we talked about this before. I mean, what did that, that add? now we had five or six hall of famers that were on that yeah. team. So it'd have been really disappointing not to win the cup, you know, here in Dallas. Yeah. Should have had a North Dakota hall of famer on that team too. I'm just gonna throw that in. It's not me. I know. That's Eddie. <laughs> will you get upset? Yeah, that's Eddie Belfort. You're will, right. Will you get upset if I write a letter to North Dakota? <laughs> yes, I would. No, why? Why would you get upset? You deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. How is yeah. a guy that played in the NHL for 17 years with two Stanley Cups, with two national championships at North Dakota, not in their Hall of Fame? Well, I'm not a really good one staying dialed into your your alumni things. I do here, but I, you know, I'm not really, you know, answering all the emails and going to all the events. And a lot of times, I can't honestly because you know we're working with kids. So yes, um, I, I think that has I I think that has a big part. I mean, we've got there's even there's a chain of of former players and. Um, that we're on an email chain and they're, you know, whenever a birthday comes up and all this stuff, and I'm not even good at that wishing, you know, guys I played with, you know, <laughs> happy birthday. So, um, you know, so I, I'm sure that all comes into play, but I, that, that, I guess that's me. Okay. Kind of, I will not send you the letter where I sign at Gavin Spittle Curry college hall of fame, 2018. I won't do yeah. that. <laughs> well, that, that'll, that'll put a period on any chance. If there ever was one. So go ahead and send it off. Okay. Craig, you watch a ton of tape. Uh, you watch a lot of these stars games. You know, you show your your kids that you know the mistakes and the pros and the cons. So I ask you, Coach, what are some of the things that you'd like to see the stars improve on after the All Star break? Uh, the thing that concerns me, I think, of late is how we're giving up goals near the end of the game. You know, they they have a goal lead, a two goal lead, and other teams are climbing back in. 
And and that it just seems like it's late. Like the, the last well, who was the last game that we played against? We were up by Washington. two goals, right? Yeah, two and, two goals and two. And it just seems like that's getting more frequent. And I don't even know if it's more frequent. I what my concern is that you know, and the uh, the positive thing is they find ways of you know winning in the overtime yes. or shootout, whatever it may be. So, but there is no shootout, and there is no that that's not happening when you get there's no three on three when you get to game 83. So uh, my concern is, is heading, you know, down, down to when the playoffs start is that they're, they're closing games out the right way. And, and they're, you know, all these little, but again, it's, it's the way they play. So I, I, I don't, I don't want to see that bleed over in, into the playoffs because regardless who you're going to play in the first round, it's not going to be easy, you know? So uh, <clears throat> there, there's a, there's a lot of good teams. Um, there's a lot of possibilities of who you're going to meet. Uh, you know what I mean? When, when you start getting to that time of the year and you better have everything marked off and, and get back to when, when you're getting to the 10 minute mark and you have a lead of the third period that other teams are like, we're in trouble. We're in trouble because we can't, you know, the, these guys don't crack. And, and so, um, that, that's my biggest concern. If I have a concern, I mean, they're, they're a top five team in almost everything. Right. And so it's just the way that some of these goals have gone in and back to your original point, um, how you started this whole thing is those kind of circumstances happen. And, and in my opinion, they don't need to happen at times. And, and so that just tightening that part of the game up and getting a little bit more um, dialed in in coverage and and not exchanging chances, um, you know, late in games when you're in the playoffs. I, I know every game's important, but these like next 10 to 12 coming out of the All-Star break, I think we'll say a lot about this team. At Sabres, at Maple Leafs, at Canadians, home for the Hurricanes who are playing much better, home uh, away at the Predators who are in the wild card race, and then home for the Oilers, and then at Bruins, at Rangers. That's a a lot of good teams in there. Well, I, I look at that first week, Buffalo and Montreal. You're, you're gonna you're gonna take those two. Uh, that's me. The, the tough ones, even even though Toronto isn't playing the way they probably want to be playing, but Toronto's always a tough team. Tough team. So, yeah. but the good news is there may be a little. Uh, all-star break hangover going on there yet, you know, because they're having all the festivities. It's going to be, they're going to put on a great show in Toronto and you get kind of caught up with that. Uh, the, the teams that I worry about is Carolina, obviously Edmonton, Boston, New York, Carolina again, and then you finish off with three teams. Islanders can be tough to play against mm-hmm. Islanders, Colorado, Winnipeg. And, yeah. you know, it's weird. It, Winnipeg's been at the top of the league and top of the conference and for so long. And I just, I don't think that they're going to be going deep in the playoffs. I don't know why I feel that way. Um, They've got a great, their goaltenders playing excellent. They've got great chemistry on that team, all these things. So, you know, I I just think that when you're, when you're getting back to the first round, there's going to be some really good teams that are, that are not in the, you know, that are going to be knocked out in the first round. And, yeah. and you, you, like I said, you better, you better be dialed in 
And um, the last 10 to 15 games of the year, you need to be playing airtight hockey. And and we know that they can score goals. We know that their power play is good. Their penalty killing has been good. Um, I mean, pretty much everything. It's just that that goal and that uh, that whether whether you want to say it, it's a save that should be made or it, it's it's a coverage um, or it's a, a, a two on one. It again, you know, the old saying is <sighs> offense will win you games, but defense wins you championships. And, and so you have to, you know, you have to be, you have to be dialed in. I mean, you look at the, look at the Bruins, uh, you know, from a year ago, they set a record, you won what 60 plus games, whatever it was. Yeah. And, and then, you know, they were up, uh, what were they up three games to one or something like that in the first round. And, and Florida comes in and, yes. you know, their goaltender starts playing really well all of a sudden. And, and their Boston wasn't, you know, they were tight games. And next thing you know, the favorites out. So a lot of strange things happen in the playoffs. And like I said, this year, um, the, the way things stack up in the West, I mean, Colorado, Dallas, Winnipeg, Vancouver, everybody's saying, well, I don't know if Vancouver, it's going to last because, you know, they got the highest shooting percentage in the league and they got the best goals against in the league. Um, those are two pretty good, <laughs> important categories. Like most teams don't have that. Their shooting percentage is crazy. So, but they're like, ah, that's not that's not gonna last. I've been hearing this for two months. It's not gonna last. Maybe they got some really good shooters, you know. So it, it may last. And they don't need thirty five shots a game. Carolina gets thirty five to forty shots a game. You know, they don't score like Vancouver does. So anyway, you got Vancouver, Vegas, defending Stanley Cup, Edmonton. Who's what is it? Are they at sixteen or seventeen now? I don't know where they're at, but but. They're right now, after as bad as they were, then they fire the coach and then Knobloch comes in and all this other stuff goes on there. Look at what they're doing. So they might even be the favorite and they're not even really even locked into a, into a spot yet. So, um, and I wouldn't count LA out LA. I, I, they've just been brutal for the last two months, but they're, they got off to such a good start. Um, but there's some good teams in in the West that you've got to go through. And, and then, you know, so um, and that's all you really have to worry about. I mean, I, the good news is if you got to worry, worry about a team from the East, because that probably means you're in the finals. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, absolutely. And, um, and on the Vancouver, you can worry front, about that when it happens. Craig, the reason I like Vancouver, Quinn Hughes, Ronick, second pairing, Ian Cole, uh, Tyler Myers, uh, Nikita Zadorov, and Noah Juleson. I love those pairings. I think they did a great job sharing up their defense. And by the way, they have Thatcher Demko, one of the top goalies in the league this year. So that's what I love about Vancouver. I just I, on the back end, I think they're really, really good. Well, they got a good, they've got a good t- goaltender, obviously. Yeah, and they've got a defenseman that's probably going to win the Norris Trophy. Yep. And then what you've got up front, you know, Peterson, Besser, Miller. Yeah. I mean, it's and they're all going off this year, right. so. And and then your general manager comes out and adds a piece, and he give, gave up a lot. Yep. You know, from what I understand, I don't know any of the young kids. I, I know lot. that uh, one of the defensemen is supposed to be pretty good, but I love it because it's like, listen, we're close. Mm-hmm. We're that close that because you don't. Again, 
you've heard it before. There's 32 teams in the league. And so what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to, you know, on average, you're going to win a cup once every 32 years. Yeah. That's the way, you know, that's the way, I don't know why they say that, but, but so when you get this close, then you pull the trigger and you take your shot and goes right back to what you said is we were, we were close and, and Bob saw that where we were and he's been, you know, winning Stanley cups his whole career. And he, learned a lot from, you know, the people that were running that organization and knew when they added and when they didn't add and when they had to sit there and when they had to say, Nope, we're not, we're not there yet. And then when you go, yeah, we're, we're there. And whether we're going to get depth or we're going to go pull the trigger on another piece. So, um, you know, and they, like I said, the, the Kuzmenko kid is, you know, good, but I think he's wishy-washy at times. Yeah. It's a big contract. Um, So, but, but again, um, that's what I love about what Vancouver did. And yeah. I just think that um, I, I think a lot of people felt that they were going to run out of some steam as the season was going along, and they haven't done that. So you, you're past that mark where you you kind of are what you are. Yeah. I mean, congratulations to Rick Tockett, too. I mean, yep. you know. I, I probably I, couldn't happen to a better guy. Yeah. I mean, seriously, awesome. just the way his demeanor, <clears throat> the way when he was doing TNT, and I love guys that, you know, speak from experience and I'm not, I'm talking about guys that have played a long time, um, been a power forward, uh, tough guy, score goals, but also a team guy. And, and when, when talk talks to his players, I'm assuming that there's, there's a different level of respect and a different level of, of attention. Um, regardless if you're 20 years old and you know, you haven't, you didn't get to see him play in person, but, but you know, of them and you, all you have to do is, you know, go to the, uh, what do you call it? YouTube and all the other kind of stuff. And they can learn who he is. Yeah. And I, but, you know, I hate um, to see like a, so. that's like an organization like Arizona, Craig, where they go through a talk oh, it, they geez. go through a Dave Tippett and it's like, guys, like I understand your building and stuff, but man, those so are I'm some lobbying pretty good for coaches. them to play out of farmer's branch, our alumni room. <laughs> I mean, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good one. All right. So speaking of which, Glad you get to relax this weekend. However, any all-star break memories? And, I mean, it didn't take an all-star break for you. If if there was enough time in between the playoffs, which you've told, you'll get on the, the, the Vinny Jet and head down to Mexico to party with Metallica and Pantera. So any all-star memories that you are willing to share as far as great breaks, we saw a lot of the stars players down in Mexico playing some golf. And that was a really, really cool to, thing to say that even during a break, they're hanging out with each other, which means they like each other. So uh, what about you? Oh, they probably involve uh, a captain of the Dallas stars and his partner. Um, so Darian Hatcher and Richard Matvichuk and uh, we went up, to my hometown up in Wisconsin, did a little snowmobiling, um, trying to tell them where not to go on the lakes and down the little rivers. And next thing I know, they're, they're walking through the door and both their sleds had, were sitting four feet in water and from the knees down, they were frozen solid. Their pants and boots were, they were, they went down a little, a little channel, a little crick in one of the lakes and they sunk the sleds that I got them and uh, they were at the bottom and then got that all taken care of. And, we rode out late night to one place and not a good place, but we rode out there. It was a fun place. And next thing I know, one of my buddies is bumping into some other 
snowmobile meathead and they all run in packs up there. And so we ended up on the top of the steps. We were outnumbered. And <laughs> so, and so thank God we had a hatch with us. I, I just remember one guy, I could see it coming because hatch was facing me and some guy walked up from behind them. And when you're up there in the winter and you're riding, you know, you're always wearing, you still got your stuff on because you kind of make a stop and move on to the next place, but you always got your helmets and everything with you. And all I could see is this big white helmet coming over the top and it had you right in the back of the head, right on top of the head. Oh. And you could hear it. The helmet had to crack. That's didn't even blink. You could just see smoke coming out of his ears. And, and then it was on. So, um, <clears throat> it usually, I think, I think, we had a couple guys that came back with black eyes after the all-star break <laughs> and, and tried to hide it and stuff like that. So it didn't take long for Ganey to figure it out. So but, how, how, when that happens, so. Craig, like, is, is it so far out there that like police aren't called or? Just oh yeah. Time? It's, it, this is, this is not a, it's a very popular place, but it's out way out in the wood. It's kind of like Porky's. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And, <laughs> That's um, a great reference. you know, you're kind of way out there in the bush yeah. and, uh, you know, when, when it's snowing, it's hard to get there by cars. It, it, it is part of the snowmobile trails up there, which it should be. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's like a size of a shoebox, but you got 50, 60 snowmobilers in there. Um, all guys. So you can imagine what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of that it's not no longer open, shut down a couple of years ago, but, uh, should have been shut down 15, 20 years ago. But, um, but anyway, um, yeah, we've, and then, you know, then eventually Maddie bought a house next to me up in Wisconsin. And so that, that story continued. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, there's more incidents like that. I was never a guy that I, I would usually go home. I, I think there may have been one time I went, I don't even know if there was one time I went to warm leather. I, it was mostly going home and, um, going riding, going snowmobiling. So, um, and, and I, there was one year I had a couple of guys from the, the Islanders went up there uh with me and um same kind of things happen so <laughs> that, you know boys will be boys so you have experience pulling a cup out of the deep end of a pool what's heavier that or how do you get a snowmobile out of a creek uh you need a lot of friends and you need a winch and you need a couple of vehicles that can pull it from land so wow. it was just a <clears throat> We were, I, I live on uh, up north. It, it's a chain of 28 lakes. And so they're all connected and there's a little bridge of boat lift things they go over. But, but anyway, but you have all these little other little channel things that you can go down. They, and it really runs into, it runs into the river. So it's not part of the 28 lake. It is, but it, boats don't go down there. And the last thing I said, is I said, they're tra and our trails run across the lakes. <clears throat> so I said, just right on where it's marked. You don't need to go down the little side. And so the two idiots didn't take them long to, to, to veer off. And, um, you know, they were just riding around and they saw this little channel and, or like I said, it's just like small little tiny river. It's probably only about five feet wide and, but no, no other, you, no snowmobile tracks. So nobody else is going down there, but <laughs> you know, Christopher Columbus and his buddy, they were off discovering and they went down and. Um, like I said, it wasn't, <clears throat> they were up to their knees in water. So, uh, when they got off and finally got out and they couldn't get sleds out and they were probably, if they, as they had to walk back to, to where I was living, it might've been a 20 minute walk, maybe whether, I don't even know if they found a road or they came through the, through the, through the trees and stuff like that, but they're, they were frozen solid from the knees down. 
their pants and their boots and everything were frozen. So, so Hitchcock doesn't sit you down after the game before the, you know, when you guys are about to go on break and say, all right, boys, need you to come back in one piece. Mm-hmm. No one get into trouble. Mm, no, we're adults. <laughs> so cold. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely don't have to do that today. You know, like I said, it, it was a little different then. And yeah. Um, and the guys that were running the teams and coaching the teams were those kind of guys when they played, you know, so it, they're not going to no, regardless of what they're going to say, you're going to go do what you do. You know, you can, and you can say, I told them, you know, I, I mean, that's all you can do. Yeah. And, and so, <clears throat> you know, everybody comes back and relatively healthy and, um, you know, and then you got a couple of days to get ready. So um, I don't even know what Dallas has when they get back. Like what do they have a day or two? Um, before yeah, their first game, I think most Tuesday. teams do. I think I think it's mandatory. You have to, yeah, a uh, day or two before you come back. And yeah, yeah. Get a couple practices in. Try to get the poison out and a couple bags. But again, that I say that, and that's not the way it is anymore. So you know, these guys. I think that's the last thing that coaches worry about now, which was the first thing that coaches worried about when when we had days off. What are they going to be doing? What's going to happen to them? Am I going to read about them in the papers or, you know, who am I getting a call from? Right. I believe that today's player um, and, and, you know, and the coaches and the organizations and things like that, that is the last thing that you have to worry about. As I say that, we know that there's, what, five young players from 2018 that are in a little bit of hot water from the world. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely right. So when we talked to Bob Basson earlier in this week, you can hear that interview as well as Rich Peverly, which was a terrific interview. Those are up on uh, Spits and Suds podcast. So Bob was giving a story where, because I was watching this YouTube video of Bob going at it with Shane Churla. And I'm like, how did this happen? You know, big, and basically he was saying that he was up against the boards and the scrum was happening. And all of a sudden he was just getting cross-checked constantly behind. And so he turned around and basically before he knew it, he was going at it with Churla. And that made me think, I got to ask Craig, is there someone was it like a Clark Gillies or someone where you didn't know and you turn around and you said, here we go. And then all of a sudden you thought in your head, what am I doing? Well, no, as a matter of fact, as you bring up Clarky, um, I was, uh, it was my first year, I built first or second year in Montreal. And we were playing um, on the Island in New York uh, against the Islanders. <clears throat> and I was running around a little bit and hit a couple guys. And there was a whistle in front of our net and Clarky came out and Clark Gillies, God rest him. He, he, super nice human being, right? Big, big man. Yes. Did, did a lot of huge things. And, um, he just kind of came up to me and he, he lined up next to me and, you know, I was in front of the net lined up for a face off and he just kind of stood there and he looked at me and he goes, um, running around a little bit. And I just looked at him and I, you know, obviously I know his reputation and I said, uh, and he goes, uh, well, you want to get your feet wet? I was like, nope. <laughs> I just kind of backed <laughs> off a little bit further off the face off. So he was asking me to, you know, drop him right there. And I'm like, nah, not winning this one. So, uh, oh, that's great. So I didn't, I didn't have any appetite to, uh, <clears throat> jump in there as a 21 year old against the guy that just got done winning four Stanley cups and basically just runs people over with freight trains. So, so the running stop for the rest of the night. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, <laughs> you know, I, I, Actually, what it's okay. It basically saying you're running into the wrong guys. Yeah. You know, that was kind of the time when you don't, you don't run in, you know, to, to the skilled guys. It, it's okay. The, you know, the bottom six guys, the bottom two dot bottom four, you know, defensemen that, that was roles. And that was the game then it was just like, Hey, 
um, don't be, don't be running into this guy, you know, yeah. don't be so, you know, but, but then things always change when the playoffs come around. So, but anyway, yeah. And as a young kid, I, you know, I was a little antsy and wanted to, you know, get involved a little bit and, <clears throat> you know, you kind of want to make your mark, but you also want to be able to stay in the lineup and go, you know, the kid knows what he's supposed to do. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, and I was talking you know, to him about the, the art of being the agitator and, you know, if your team's not doing well, you know, a nice scrum in front of the net gets the crowd into it. And, you know, then well, all of a sudden. Now, again, momentum. you're talking about Bash. Like, Bash, I, I may have told you this before. <clears throat> so, Bobby, Bobby is this little tornado out there, right? And he, even even in our Bensley, and Bass and I are never on the same team. Like, tomorrow, we're going to, we'll play again tomorrow. Now, Bass has been on the IR for a little bit. So, yeah. I don't know if he's back. He's not back. So, I, I don't know if it was his back be or there, shoulder or something back. like that. But yeah. anyway. So even in the alumni game, Bobby's always out there chopping you and hacking you on the hand. And, you know, sometimes we only know one way to play. So anyway, you know, Bass can get pissed off. <laughs> so you can stick him as he's going back up the ice. You can hook him and grab his belly where there's no pads and kind of give him a little tug. And, you know, he'll have a little line there in the morning and stuff like that. And he'll turn around and hack you. So <clears throat> I, I, I listen, I started calling him like this little Tasmanian devil. Because that's the way he comes off. And he's not a big guy. You know that. But he plays. He might be 180 pounds. He's probably lighter than that now. Um, but he plays like he's 210. You know, and God bless him. I've asked Bass to come out with our guys and show him how to take face-offs and things like that. And But but Bass knew how he had to play to stay in the league, like 80% of us. And so I'm sitting there going, Bass, you're a little Tasmanian devil. So about... A year ago, two years ago, and I, when I was playing ball, there was a bunch of us. Anyway, I have a tattoo, and and I have a tattoo, oddly, of a Tasmanian devil with a mug of beer in one hand and a, and a baseball bat in the other. And I started thinking, oh, my God, I have Bob Basson tattooed on my hip. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I told Bass, I said, I'm walking around now with you on my hip every day. I never thought of that, and I, I had to stop, stop calling him. I'm going to stop calling him little Tasmanian devil because that's the way he plays. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar, kind of like uh, old school, like Ken the Rat Lindsman. Yeah, well, no, yeah, but not that bad. Okay. Kenny was just <clears throat> Kenny could skate. Like he he had this speed yeah. skating kind of stride, and and he'd always he'd always play with his stick down. Bass does too, but not like Kenny. Kenny would literally play with his stick at at chest level all the time with the blade, just pointing at everybody. <laughs> you know, he wasn't afraid to stick you in the face and, um, but he was a little rad bat. That's more bass is more honest about it. You know, you know, Bobby's going to come in, play a hard game and, and he's going to, you know, he's going to hit you. He's not going to stop. He, he just, he plays a hundred percent every shift face-offs. He, he determined not to lose a face-off. He plays the right way. He's a huge role model for so many players. So many young kids, I should say. Um, but anyway, that's just the way he plays. Linsman kind of wanted, he wanted to start shit all the time. You know, he was that guy. He looked for it. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love today's Yanni Gordon. I know sometimes he goes over the line, but I mean, I just, I love the fact that, you know, if his team's not playing well, he'll, he'll try to start something. Yeah. Gain, gain momentum. Yeah, those are called shift disturbers. Yeah. They, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Well, you're a beast, my friend. I hope you enjoy Saturday night. Everyone go see Craig Ludwig and the Dallas Stars alumni take on SMU. Hopefully there is a college crowd because I got to love you. I I mean, I got to admit, I love going to college hockey games, the party atmosphere. 
Uh, that's terrific. I might go down there, Craig, and enjoy a little frosty myself. So, oh, then you're welcome to come in the alumni room after, and I'll have somebody carry you to your car. <laughs> I don't know. Am I allowed down there? Of oh, course. All right. It's, I we can let in whoever we want. You know what I'm looking at? I'm sitting right over here looking at a four-wheel truck that one of my kids must used to have, and it's a Tasmanian devil truck. Wow. And it says Taz on the side of it. Oh, my God. i got to give this to Bass. <laughs> he might need it with his injuries to get around. <laughs> yeah, I know. Actually, he might fit in it, too. <laughs> yes, he was. He was not the biggest in stature. That's correct. <laughs> All right, my friend. He's a two-time Stanley Cup winner, one of the great storytellers. That's why we love having him. He's Craig Ludwig, and thank you one and all for listening to Spits and Suds right here on 105.3 The Fan. Have a great day, everyone.